We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 15th day of February, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, it is great to see you. It's been a long three days off. Yeah, we had, we had three days off. Well, actually, four days if you if you count Friday, because uh, we weren't here Friday. But um, yeah, uh, had a great weekend, at least I think. How are you? Um, healthy and alive. Wasn't sure I was going to be able to make it today. Um, I was having uh, uh, computer issues uh, over the weekend. Uh, fortunately, I was able to resolve that um, in in a day's time. Um, so yeah. Well, we're awful happy you got it resolved. Uh, but you will not be here tomorrow. That's correct. Correct. Um, new internet being installed, and I am quite thrilled about that. Fiber optics is um, hopefully going to be much better than what we currently have and stable, mm -hmm. reliable. Mm -hmm. Well, I uh, I wish you all the uh, all the luck in the world getting that installed. If you get it done in time, you can come join myself and Marty. Tomorrow, he and I will be discussing uh, some things in the UK. We've got some UK uh, stuff that we have lined up. Uh, we're also going to be discussing the strategy of what's going on in Canada, but we're going to be talking about it from a different perspective. We're going to be looking at it in the form of military strategy and game theory. That should be an interesting conversation because he is an intelligence analyst. What better person would you want to speak to regarding military strategy than that guy? That's what he and I are going to talk about tomorrow. So I hope that you get your uh, thing finished in time because I'm sure that's a conversation that you would love to be involved with. It is. Uh, and hopefully uh, we can get that installed quickly. Everything is already laid and ready to go. Uh, tomorrow it's just supposed to be the in-home installation. So that really should only entail running a line through the attic and uh, connecting it up to the modem. And that should be 30 minutes, maybe. I, I wonder, since you are part Native American, does that make you a member of the frontline and vulnerable community? And, and does that entitle you to free access to high-speed internet such as that? I mean, that, I mean, we're talking Green New Deal stuff here. Is that the route you're taking here? Um, although I am... Um highly against uh, government and state and all of that and all that. I don't think I actually qualify because the problem is, is my family is undocumented in that oh. um, we oh. are Native American. The problem is, is yeah, there happened to be a fire back in the day in Guthrie, which is uh, the uh, it's a few hours. It's like uh -huh. an hour and something away uh -huh. from here. Anyway, well, um, that was originally the capital. Oh, I see. A lot of the papers were lost. Yeah, 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 I see. Well, if you have any issues, I'm sure that you could contact Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren, and, and I'm sure that she would be happy to help you out because she, I mean, she she identifies as a, as a Native American. She, she Well, she is a Native American, really. Is it what one sixty fourth of one sixty fourth of one hundred and thirty eighth or, or something like that? And so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure... I'm sure that she can help you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. It's basically nothing. I think I have, my family came from Europe and I think I have more Native American in me than she does. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot more. Um, uh, I think it's about, I, I think one eighth or one sixteenth or I don't know, whatever the last, I'm the last generation that would be able to get benefits of the Native American stuff if we can mm-hmm. find the paperwork. Um, oh, I see. So whatever that cutoff was. I don't remember if it was an eighth or a 16th, but if you were to look at me, you couldn't tell because uh, I'm, you know, super white. Like I know you're to Well, I'll tell you what you walls. are. You're, you're a domestic terrorist. That's what you are. That, yeah, that's, exactly, well, <laughs> that's what you are. That's what, but that's what DHS says. So. That's, yeah, that's what they, if you're, if you're a, uh, if you're a Christian gun owner, Bible reading, uh, bitter clanger, then, uh, then that's what you are. So I guess we just have to roll with it, right? Anyway, um, we did start to, or I did mention Canada there, so I suppose we should, uh, we should discuss some of it, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I didn't watch. I know I was probably one of the very few, and I'm sure, Bruce, you were probably one of the very few. I did not watch the Super Bowl. I don't really care. From what I understand, it was a um, it was a complete crap show, for lack of a better term there, because we're a family show. But the hypocrisy, of course, we knew it was going to be there, right? The hypocrisy, all the celebrities that were touting that you should be wearing a mask. Your kids need to be wearing a mask. You should all be vaccinated and boosted and all the rest of that crap, right? All the stuff that we hear. That's what you saw. That's what you saw at the Super Bowl was them flaunting it in your face, dancing around, schmoozing with everybody. Wasn't a mask in sight, was there? I didn't see one. Did you? No, I I certainly didn't see one. And the Super Bowl halftime show, what a joke that was. What a joke that was. Again, I didn't see all of it, but I heard enough of it. And I and the parts that I did see of it, I turned it off after about 30 seconds. And I thought this is the most degenerative, disgusting thing I've ever seen. I didn't see any of it. In fact, I was uh, not just the fact that I was one of the few that didn't watch. I actually didn't know how to legally watch it. It's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Even if you were to bootleg it. I mean, who cares? Who, who would care to do that? If you don't have cable and you want to watch the Super Bowl, then you're going to find a way to, to use the little... Do you still have the TV antenna things over there? The digital ones? You, you can get that no. stuff that way. No, it's gone. It, they, they, get, they did away oh, with yeah, that. You, you have that, but we don't, we don't have one. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I don't, well, I don't it's even still know free. You can watch it there. Well, it was so. on NBC. Of course it was. I think NBC's on there, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be. That's NBC affiliates are all over the place. Celebrities and politicians were caught maskless at the Super Bowl on Sunday, despite the indoor mask mandate that will be in place until today. They just so conveniently decided to ignore that. LeBron James, uh, some of these names, LeBron James, Jennifer Lopez, Charlize Theron, Ellen DeGeneres, Ben Affleck, and Jay-Z were among those captured, enjoying themselves without a face covering. You also had others in there that I'll mention. Matt Damon was there. You know, the guy that was praising Australia for their gun control, wishing that the United States did something similar. You had Emmett Smith, former NFL While being linebacker. In movies. While, While being, being in movies. While being in movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, romanticizing firearms. Uh, the Bourne movies? I mean, that, that guy was a, the guy was a trained killer. There wasn't a scene in that movie without a gun. Uh, Sean Penn was there as well. I saw him. Chris Tucker uh, and a few other people. Uh, 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 what I said? Did I say Ben Affleck? Yeah, Ben Affleck. But uh, yeah, all right, whatever with these people. These, these people are disgusting. They're disgusting. Magic Johnson was known. Uh, these, these people are are the reason that our society has degenerated to the point. Well, part of the reason. I can't say they're the only reason. But that class of people that think they're holier than thou, the ones that are sitting there from their ivory towers and their their $20 million, $50 million, $100 million mansions, whatever they are, saying, oh, yeah, we need to we need to all stay home. 
Well, it's nice when you live basically on a uh, on a private island by yourself, and and you can bring in you know personal trainers and private chefs and all the rest of it. Life for you doesn't change. How does that fare for the person that's uh, that's living with a family in Manhattan that has to be stuck in their apartment with a wife and three children? How does that fare for them when they all have to work from home in a three-bedroom, two-bath? That doesn't work too well. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, who was... Isn't he supposed to leave or something? Wasn't he supposed to go to India to be the U.S. ambassador of India or something? Again, there's another young global leader right there. That one. Garcetti, the machete. Oh, yeah. He writes papers for the World Economic Forum. When I first was... uh, When I was digging around on their website a couple of years ago, we saw an article and I said, Eric Garcetti, I said, isn't that the mayor of Los Angeles? He writes for them. He was called out for not wearing a mask at the recent game, also ignoring the rules. Well, it's his mandate. He's ignoring it. The last time he claimed to be holding his breath when he removed the mask for the photo. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Critics pointed out that these adults flouting the rules come as California school children have no such option. They're masked all day. Yeah, the schools are going to reopen. The schools are going to open on Monday. And guess what? Your kids are going to have to wear a mask. But see, these people don't. These people don't. They don't live by the same rules that you and I do. Of course, we all know that by now. Anyway, Bruce, you got anything on the Super Bowl? I, I really don't even want to entertain it any longer. Uh, I, I think it's disgusting. I think it's uh, I, I think it's just a, a showing of just the, the degeneracy of our society, quite frankly. The advertising was disgusting. The halftime show was disgusting. The people that were there in the, in the luxury boxes, telling you how to live your life, but yet not practicing it themselves, laughing and dancing in front of the camera, they're all disgusting. So I have nothing more to say on the matter, but you're welcome to. Yeah, I don't. Um, the, the only thing I would uh, make mention of is it was the first time the Bengals had been to a Super Bowl since the 80s, is my understanding. But aside from that, I was too busy working on computer problems then to watch the Super Bowl. So honestly, I didn't really care. But that, that's what it boiled down to. When I got I my PC fixed, uh, uh, the Rams and the Bengals. Oh, Cincinnati. I, I should care. I guess they're from my home state. I, I, you see how much I care. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really care. I, I was more actually. I was more applauding uh, the Bengals getting there, not having been there since the '80s. You know, you know. Congrats. Other than that, um, I really don't care. I, I didn't watch it. Honestly, I didn't watch a football game all year. So, you know. I didn't either, so I don't think we missed anything. There was some good news that came out of the Super Bowl, though. Coinbase, you know, the cryptocurrency exchange thing, Coinbase? Yeah, Coinbase. They were forced into an outage following a Super Bowl ad after more traffic than ever was encountered. There was an advertisement, you know, how people pay millions and millions of dollars for the Super Bowl ads, whatever, right? There was an advertisement on one of the uh, the commercial breaks for Coinbase, and so many people went to it that it crashed the site uh, in the exchange for a little bit. I mean, hey, people are going to check it out. Everyone's hearing about crypto. As a matter of fact, I had a talk with uh, one of our uh, one of our UK mutual friends over the weekend, and uh, I said something about, we were talking about uh, the chip shortage and, and things like that. And I said, look, I said, you know, I'm looking to get into some more components for building something later on. I said, but I'm not in any position to be doing that right now because I have other things that I need to buy. And they said, well, what what do you need to buy? And I started naming off some things. And I said, what do you need that for? And I said, for taking crypto, you know, the cold storage thing, the tracers. I said, I want to take my cryptocurrency out of the exchanges and I want to be able to store it myself. And they said, oh, you do crypto? I said, a little bit, you know, not, not much, just a little bit here and there. I said, I dabble in it. And they said, well, how much does that cost you? And I said, just a little bit I dabble in. And he says, yeah. I said, nothing. He says, what do you mean nothing? And I said, no, I do it all for free. And he says, well, how in the hell do you do that? I told him how to do it. And guess what he's doing now? 
he's doing the same thing. So people know about it. They're curious about it, but they really don't know where to get started. I didn't know where to get started until we sat down with your uh, your crypto guy. Uh, and then when you mentioned that there was an easy way to do it, I thought, hey, all right, I'll try it. Fine. And you earn more than going to a faucet, you know? So, I mean, it's it's enough for me. It doesn't cost me any money. And I find it fascinating just dabbling there. You can have five coins here, 10 coins there, 15 coins there, whatever. You can buy some Bitcoin if you want. You can watch it go up. But um, I, I find it fascinating. And and this, uh, th- this ad, with this being the largest televised sports event in the U.S. every year, that brought at least a third of the country to that website, potentially, because you had about 170 million people watching it. That brought at least a third of the country to that website, at least brought some more awareness to it. I like it. I like it. So the... the so Coinbase is uh, the, they're they're basically a marketplace where you can buy it. I'm I'm torn because some of the regulations that the government's trying to do on Coinbase. But that all said, crypto. all crypto. Well, there's some crypto they can't regulate. We'll just say that's that's uh, true. So that is true. But you honestly, see, if, you see, Bruce, that's the currency of of uh, what is it? Uh, kidnappers and and robbers and. Uh, and terrorists, <laughs> whatever that's else. That's exactly the what I was thinking you. when when yeah. you talked about the ad and crashing the site. That's uh, but uh-huh. wait, they're they're just criminals that use that. Why would they be all going there? Is a third of the country criminals? Wow, that's why, crazy. Why would they be allowed to advertise on a Super Bowl? I mean, technically, you had mafia organizations able to advertise, and everybody knew it was mafia back in the day. Well, that's, but that's true. But Pfizer's I mean, we have allowed to advertise. Yeah, that's Moderna's true. Moderna's <laughs> allowed to advertise. So. That's true. Yeah, it is brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. Uh, with that said, um, I'm actually looking at doing some other crypto stuff as well, hopefully this year, actually, and having a uptick in the passive um, creation of those coins. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, Coinbase had a, uh, a th- had to throttle traffic for a few minutes, uh, which I okay, fine. I thought it was longer than that. That was according to the site Down Detector. They're the ones that monitor like Facebook and uh, Amazon Web Servers and uh, YouTube and Google services and all that stuff. Users had been experiencing problems accessing the exchange around 7:20 p.m. and the exchange announced on its main Twitter account that it was back up and running by 8:23. Okay, so it was down for about an hour. All right, it was down for about an hour, but that's good. With viewership in the U.S. consistently around the 100 million mark over the last decade or so, commercial airtime for the NFL's championship showpiece is among the most sought after in the world. Listen to the cost of these ad slots. I knew it was high, but this this is ridiculous. The price of a 30-second Super Bowl ad slot on NBC was reportedly around $6.5 million dollars with some slots costing as much as $7 million. This year, for the first time, uh, apparently this wasn't the only one, uh, this year, for the first time, Super Bowl viewers were shown ads from a number of crypto uh, companies, along with Coinbase, Crypto Exchanges, FTX, and Crypto.com, and eToro, all appeared during commercial breaks. FTX's ad featured comedian Larry David, while, well, there you go right there, (laughs) while Crypto.com starred NBA legend LeBron James. Coinbase spent as much as 14 million on its ad, so okay, so they bought one minute of ad time, which featured a QR code bouncing around a black screen for its full 60 seconds. Viewers who also scanned the code were taken to Coinbase, where they were invited to sign up and receive $15 in free Bitcoin, plus a chance to win $3 million in prizes. What do you think? That was actually clever of an ad on their part. That was clever. To curiosity, people's curiosity caught them. And so what they do, they scan the QR code and boom, let them there. Uh, uh, clever, um, I've, I have to say. 
You know, one of the things about uh, about crypto is, you know, I, I like I like the decentralization. I, I, I love that part of it. I think that's fantastic. What needs to be resisted here is the centralization of it on the other side. You have to stop the central banks who have completely wrecked our monetary and financial and capital markets. You have to stop that cartel from being able to vertically integrate and control the money supply through a digital ID. You notice that these countries are dropping restrictions. They're dropping the vaccine passports, all that stuff. They're not dropping them. I, I don't care what anybody says. They'll come back on it later. Remember, successive approximation, extremely important term. They'll let off of something for a little while, but not fully. And then they'll come back on it later. And you say, well, wait a minute. There's no sign that there were any, any restrictions here. Where are the stipulations being put in after they've relaxed them, saying that they can't do it again? They're not there, are they? Very important to understand. You've got Doug Ford, who is the premier of Ontario, Canada. You know the place where they've got all those truckers right now? People that are protesting all of that stuff? People that want all that stuff removed? Not only do you have him making a statement, you've also got the Ontario health minister who says, we, and I'm quoting, we have no plans currently to drop the passport vaccination situation or masking. We believe that masking is going to be an important for some time to come. I would love to see you show me a paper on it, lady. You're the health minister. Show me something. Show me something tangible, something that you can actually prove that show that those things are actually working. You don't have anything. You can't even bring it to the table to present an argument, not to mention the fact you won't even talk to anybody. None of these people will. But the Ontario premier, Doug Ford, plans to listen to this, plans to remove. I love the civil war going on right now in between these factions, plans to remove Ontario's vaccine passport system. But listen to this only to replace it with a digital identity wallet, which includes use of vaccination records. As a matter of fact, I have it right here. This is how they describe it. As an individual, you could use the digital ID to prove your identity when you make an age-sensitive purchase, like a lottery ticket. You see how they just put these little things in there? Yeah, just a little thing. Oh, now see, it's just for your convenience. Pick up a package at the post office, apply for government assistance or benefits, access and use vaccination records, open a bank account, and as a business, see, that's an, as an individual, as a business, you could use the digital ID when you hire new employees, prove business identity or credentials, or verify those of other businesses, open business accounts, apply for loans, grants, and tax credits. See, the vaccine passport was not about proving your vaccination status. That's not the sole purpose behind it. Yes, it was meant to just open the door and facilitate your process to the next step. The next step was getting you to take that digital ID. They need you to take it. That's how they remain in control going forward. They need you to take that digital wallet that they control. You have to do it voluntarily. They can't force it. Judging by the numbers we're seeing out there in Canada and across Europe, you've got millions of people right and left that aren't going to take it. It's not about the vaccine anymore. We're well past that. Now they're just trying to run damage control on that. We'll talk about that shortly. You got something you want to say on the digital wallet? Uh, digital wallets are in my opinion, uh, the first step to doing a social credit system. You need everybody on a digital system, you know, a digital pass, a digital whatever ID. You need to remove the anonymity online. And there you go. You're right there. You're at social credit. It's no longer just a, they have a bunch of steps. Literally, that's the first thing they institute. And they've pretty well got everything they need at that point to do a full-on social credit system. We have everything else in place as far as all the other systems we need. Because remember, 
The social credit here in the West is all fractured. We have a bunch of companies that are all doing it and the system's there. So once they get that key component, all of them will be able to hook into that system. And once you're in it, once you're in it and, and they have and they have full abject control over it, there's no way to come out of that. Not that I can see. I, I really don't see a way out of that. The only way that and that's I think that's what the argument's about right there is once people reject them as the controllers of it, then that's the end of it. Right now, they're losing in the popularity contest, if you want to call it that. Their ideas are not popular at all, at all. They're trying to do damage control on this whole COVID thing. Uh, and I don't see them. I don't even see them winning with that one. The problem and we were talking, we were discussing this pre-show. The problem that they're running into is historically they've always been able to do an end run around the people, as in the banking establishments have always been able to do that. The governments have always been able to do that. The ruling classes have always been able to do that. They can't do it now. They didn't close up all the loopholes they needed to close up when it comes to the free flow of information. They have rapidly been trying to close those things. They've been trying to shut people down off of social media, which they've been largely successful at that. They've been trying to shut people off of Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and uh, changing the algorithms with Google. They've been kicking people off of uh, off of YouTube. Uh, and any other platform, really, that uh, that they have their uh, their organizations with their hooks into it. But you still have alternative platforms out there that have been able to operate and we've been able to get the word out. Podcasting was another thing that that they haven't. And you notice they're starting to go for that now, but I think it's a little bit too late in the game for them. Podcasting was largely ignored. The reason we think that might be is because they just overlooked it. As in, when we've been reading all of their war games and things that they've been doing for the last 20 years, none of them mentioned podcasting. Podcasting has been around for a long time, at least the last, I don't know, the last 12 years, if not prior. It's been around for a long time. They just ignored it. They, they didn't pay any attention to it. So I think it just kind of uh, it's it kind of overlooked them. So they haven't been able to censor the information as much as they should have prior to. They should have had all these loopholes closed up. Then they would be able to monopolize your perception, which is what they did during the lockdowns. They took you out of your normal day to day life. They closed you off from society. No, they don't want you conversing in a restaurant or in a church or in uh, some community gathering place like a gym or whatever. No, they can't have that. Oh, they're going to let the people in there that have complied, of course, because those people aren't going to fight back. They're not going to resist. But see, you, they don't want you who's resisting it. They don't want you meeting other like-minded people that can organize on a local level and fight back against that. See, when you create, this is Insurgency 101. We're going to talk about this tomorrow. If you create something that is on a local level that spreads outward, you create little pockets of trouble, then the government can't stop that. How do you think we were able to win the American Revolution? Just that right there. We organized in taverns, in bars, in restaurants, in cafes, in churches, all areas where people got together, we were able to form pockets of resistance in so many places simultaneously decentralized at the local level. So there was no leadership structure for the state to target that the British didn't know what to do. And that is exactly why they have stopped people from going to these places now, because they have understood what the most successful revolution in world history has been able to accomplish. And they don't want that again. But see, now I think it's too late. They cannot stop word of mouth. But once they have you into the digital system, well, then it's easier for them to do that. But again, I think it's too late for them on that front. The people that are out there marching in the streets, they're not taking a digital ID. They're not going to do it, especially not from these people. They've lost all credibility. That's a problem. That's a real big problem. So what do they do? They stir up conflicts in foreign affairs. 
That's what they do. That's been their game plan for hundreds of years. That's always been the establishment play. The last hundred years, especially, that's always been their play, is start up conflict somewhere. You have failing domestic policies, start a conflict, start a war somewhere. We've always done that. They can't do it anymore. They're trying to distract you with what's going on in Ukraine with Russia, right? Now, see, what they did in Ukraine, that's their little... Um, that's their little trash pile. That's not a poke at the Ukrainian people. That's not what I mean. There's a lot of corruption in that country in the, in the government and in the oligarchy over there. A lot of corruption. They were looking to use the Ukraine as a slush fund, a cash cow, a money laundering operation because there's a lot of corruption in there. But see, they're not able to now create this, uh, th this whatever they're trying to do with the Russians over there. Putin's not buying it. On top of that, you've got uh, Zelensky, who's the president of Ukraine. You've got him coming out saying, what are you talking about war? What, what, do you, what do you mean? There's nothing going on here. As a matter of fact, he just gave a statement a few minutes ago on their national TV, RBC there, and he said this. This is their, this is their, their, nat their national news that he did a live uh, statement on. He said, addressing the nation, President Zelensky of Ukraine, he says, we are told that February 16th will be the day of the attack. Speaking of the Russians, we will make the day of unity. On this day, we will hoist national flags, put on blue and yellow ribbons, and show the world our unity. Uh, his office just released a, uh, one of his aides just released a statement and said, uh, what do you mean the 16th will be the Russian day of attack? And he cleared it up and he says he was speaking ironically. He wasn't being serious. So you've got the, the useless U.S. administration. You've got the useless U.K. administration. Believe me, both of our administrations are useless, so that's not a poke at, at the U.K. people. You got fooled just like we got fooled. You've got these two countries, and now you've got a couple of European countries that are trying to get on board with it, saying, oh, uh, yeah, there's a problem over there in Ukraine. Uh, we're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to watch the Russians. The Russians are about to invade. It's imminent. It's going to happen now. What did we play last week? You had the, the pencil neck from uh, from the Pentagon or whatever say that, uh, well, we've got this evidence here that's, uh, that Russia's about to invade the Ukraine and and we have to pay attention to this and, and we have to be watching this. And it was just he had no proof. It was just him asserting it. That's all it was. And the reporter called him out on it. He said, what evidence have you presented other than just you making assumptions? Where, where's your evidence? He says, well, it's the evidence I just released. He says, but that's not evidence. None of this is. The governments and the bankers aren't able to do this anymore. The information is there. We can see what they're doing. Their domestic policies are failing. They always start up conflicts in other nations to take our focus off of what's going on. The president of El Salvador, you know, the guy that said that um, uh, he's going to adopt uh, cryptocurrencies as his national currency, that guy. Yeah, that one who was threatened by the IMF and the World Bank and said, you're not going to adopt cryptocurrencies. And instead, you're going to dump them, which he wholeheartedly ignored. He said, thank you for your suggestion. Have a nice day. He tweeted the following on the 13th. He said, the real war is not in Ukraine. It's in Canada, Australia, France, Brussels, England, Germany, and Italy. They want you to look the other way. You see, we're not the only ones that understand this. The elites have nowhere to go. They're cornered. Agenda-wise, they're cornered. This has always been their play. Now they don't have this card to play. Too many people are watching. And the people that matter are the ones that understand it. Not the ones that have complied, not the ones that have gone along with it, but the ones that understand what's happening. I'm talking about the peaceful people out there in the streets of Europe that are walking around with Klaus Schwab on a placard in prison stripes. People know. 
the whole Ukraine Russia thing. I'm not even sure that's not something that's being pushed by the World Economic Forum anyway for a smokescreen. Um, yep. Because yep. Uh, when you look at the players involved, you got lists. Than, uh, you got names. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there is a striking number of those individuals in all administrations involved that have ties to the World Economic Forum. In fact, they're uh, young global leaders, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it, it does look like it could be, well, technically a conspiracy. And I don't mean conspiracy theory. I mean, a legitimate conspiracy. Mm hmm. Well, honestly, I think Klaus himself proved conspiracy back in 2017 with the clip of him at Harvard University when he said, well, what's important is not just that we have the uh, the prime ministers and the presidents of these nations, but we penetrate the cabinets and we've got more than half of them on board with our agenda. Really? Well, I tell you what, let's take a look at Canada. You've got Trudeau right now who says that he is going to, and I, this is from the CBC, in Canada. That's their mainstream press. Okay. Trudeau plans to invoke Emergencies Act in response to the protests. Well, I thought you had it under control. I, I thought everything was under control, wasn't it? I, I thought it was. I thought you were going to send in the uh, the RCMP and you were going to squash everything. I thought you had it all. Uh, it, it was a done deal. Everyone, it was time to go home. He gave a nice speech and everything. On top of that, I thought you were going to meet with all of them. What was it? Five minutes per trucker that, uh, that took, a, uh, took a jab? Two minutes per trucker that had one before February 8th, and it was one minute for anybody that was a member of the convoy that had been vaccinated prior to February 8th. What happened to that? You didn't even bother to meet with him. Instead, he ran off again. He ran away. He's threatened to invoke uh, the Emergencies Act, which is essentially signing an order for martial law in the nation of Canada, the entire nation. Premiers of all Canadian provinces have signed open letters in opposition to it. He is alone. I'm wondering, did he get a phone call from dear old Klaus telling him to double down? I'm wondering. I'm just asking the question. And the reason I ask is because of the list of people that are in that cabinet that he has. Let's just go through some of them. Oh, I've got names. I've got names. Let's go down through some of these. From the World Economic Forum, Young Global Leaders, you have Justin Trudeau. Prime Minister of Canada, obviously, World Economic Forum Associate. These are people that are verified members of the World Economic Forum. Christia Freeland, Canadian Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance. Katrina Gold, Minister of Families, Children and Social Development, Employment and Social Development of Canada. Francois-Philippe Champagne, Minister of Invocation, Science and Industry, Innovation, Science and Economic Development. Alish Campbell, Canada's Ambassador to the EU. Alyssa Goldberg, Assistant Deputy Minister for Strategic Policy, Global Affairs of Canada, which is their equivalent to our State Department, pretty much. It's more or less the same thing. Renee Maria Tremblay, Senior Counsel to the Supreme Court of Canada. All the Supreme Courts of the Western countries are just about the same. I mean, there's a couple of differences here and there, but they're near the same. Jagmeet I, Singh. Yeah, go on. Side, side note real quick. Uh, the, the one name you kind of stumbled through there for a minute. Uh -huh. I, I heard Al Sharpton's voice trying to read that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yes. yes, you did. I, I need the megaphone now just to scream ridiculous things in the, uh, <laughs> yes. in the, in yeah. the microphone, you know, just because that's what Al Sharpton does. He just rattles off. I mean, that's that's what it is. It, some of these names are tough because half the cabinet up there is French. So it's it's French Canadian. So it's it's kind of tough. I'm assuming this is Yamit Singh leader of the New Democratic Party, in lockstep policy-wise with Justin Trudeau throughout the pandemic. Now, I would say that that's a, a, a fairly good amount of the cabinet that are on board with the World Economic Forum, wouldn't you? I would say so. Not to mention all the companies that were involved as well. Um, there's some other companies that are 
God, Canadian companies, United States, Walmart, which we just watched a video before we started. Walmart, their CEO, I believe, currently is a young global leader. In fact, if you're, if you, the listener, are interested, you can go to younggloballeaders.org and look at the community list there. There's like 97 pages of people. If you want to go through and see who all is involved, it's quite quite interesting to see all the the companies that you use from day to day uh, that you give your money to the major telecom companies, uh, Walmart, politicians, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, they they all have their own representatives from the World Economic Forum. It's funny, you know, the uh, the Ontario health minister who was giving the speech saying, no, we're not going to drop the mask mandates. No, we're not going to drop the uh, the vaccine passports. We have no plans to do that. She was literally giving that press conference from a Walmart. Yeah. And it's just it's striking when you go through it and you see all the banks, all the, the governments, all the companies, the startups, everything. It, it, they're all over the place. In fact, even religious organizations have people that went to uh, the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leader Program. So yeah, yeah, it's reassuring, right? It's even if we do kick off the government, the problem is they've infiltrated so many other aspects of our life that even if the government doesn't do the digital ID system, the companies could still ins- institute their own system and then link it together with each other, and uh, they could still institute it without government aid and 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 just basically become the government. Well, honestly, I think that we're we're approaching that already. I I really do think that with the tech oligarchs and everything else, which by the way, I don't think any of them should even be there. Most of these companies would have gone bust anyway because of the crash of 08 that should have happened. So a lot of these companies shouldn't even be there. But again, I I honestly I I'm not entirely sure. I still think it would take years for them to come to some form of a um I guess an alliance, for lack of a better term, off the top of my head, it would take a lot of years for them to to conjure up something that they could all agree on because companies are not right now. They're all vying for a piece of the pie because you have a moderating forum such as Klaus Schwab and company and the finance capital on top of that. You've got places like BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street and all the rest of these these hedge funds that are quarterbacking that, which are the militant arms of the central banking cartel. But if you don't have them that are organizing the corporations, then all they're going to do is it'll be like customer loyalty cards. You know how you've got like a hundred of those things, you know, like that you've got companies out there, all oh, have our loyalty card, have our credit card, whatever. They can't even agree on a centralized system for that. So now all of a sudden they're going to roll out a digital ID that everybody's going to magically take. And they're all, all the companies are going to agree on it when they're all fighting for market share anyway. It'd be too obvious. If all the companies and corporations did it together, it'd be too obvious that they're already working together. We already know they're working together, but there's no like hard evidence, if you will. Um, well, there is, so but it's not mainstream. I mean, it's it's literally there on the on the World Economic Forum, and on top of that, they have that decentralized as well. Yes, you can go to the World Economic Forum's website weforum.org. You can go there and look up all this stuff that we're talking about. Everything we discuss here is open source, and we'll tell you where we got it. There's also something else. You see, the World Economic Forum is supposed to take us to guess what year? 2030, right? You see, there's another organization. There is another organization that is to take us from 2030 to 2050. That is if they're still relevant on the other side of this. That that remains to be seen how this is going to go because we're at a tipping point. We're rapidly approaching the edge of that cliff. They have another organization that I found by accident that we started looking at that takes us from 2030 to 2050. 
And it is all corporations. It is all corporations. Nothing to do with governments, nothing to do with central planning agencies like the World Economic Forum. It's not mentioned at all. It's all corporations. It's called the WBCSD or something like that, if I understand that correctly. And when you looked into it, when you st- I told you that, you started digging and you found out they just happened to share a campus across the street, more or less, from the World Economic Forum. Yeah, yeah. Did we stumble on it by looking at the physical offices of that and looked at who was across the street or something? I think so. I think you were you were Uh, looking up their offices in Switzerland because you you asked me. You said take a guess where what country it's in, and I said Switzerland. You said take a guess where in Switzerland, and I said Davos. You said it's literally across the street, (laughs) and they just opened up an office across the street. Yeah. So yeah. It's obvious. Um, <laughs> it is obvious. It's in our faces. It's literally right there. It's kind of like the brought to you by Pfizer thing. It's been in our faces for years. It's just that no one wants to look at it. So the government is the one with the short end of the stick at this point, uh, as you said. So I think they will be thrown out eventually. They're the dupe in this. Though that's if China doesn't do their thing. Uh, right true. now, it's a, a competition between China and the corporations. And uh, mm-hmm. if China is able to do their AI first, which, I mean, they're not good at creating things, to be fair. They manufacture, they don't design and create new, innovate, uh, it would be the word, um, whereas we do. So I don't know, if that stays true and we get AI first, depending on the company that did it, it might uh, be okay. We might be fine. Uh, then again, if uh, it's a bad company, I don't know, say Google, Amazon, Facebook, you know, one of those groups, or I don't know, they work together. to So maybe all of them, Microsoft even. Yeah, we're screwed at that point. Uh, no amount of protests, no amount of throwing people out. If you're able to do a digital system like that and predict and go through a sum of data like that, the, the mass amount of data they have, there is this is a new enemy that we have never fought before as humans. This is something that is unprecedented. We And I, I hate using that word, but there's no other word to really describe that. This is this is something that is very it's catastrophic to the human race, basically, uh, if we allow it to continue. Um, but, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know how to stop it. That's the problem. This is a genie's out of the bottle. It's out of the bottle on both sides, though. I mean, y- yes, it's out of the bottle in, in the sense you're talking about. But at the same time, the, the freedom bottle has also been opened. And they're trying to put that genie back in the bottle. They're trying to re-enslave people that already have had a taste of freedom. And yes, we it's have generations... Simple. We, we have generations AI. that, yeah, I understand AI, but AI actually makes these people irrelevant uh, in the long run. They don't need that structure anymore. When we were learning about social credit, they don't actually need that structure. You don't need a government for that. Society will self-govern. AI is what controls that. These sycophants that we've got running the show here, the ones that are running the insane asylum at the moment, that, like, how, how do I even say it without sounding like a tinfoil hat wearing lunatic? They literally think they're going to merge themselves with that technology and become gods. That's not me saying that. That's them saying it. That's the problem. But the governments themselves don't exist in the future. Physical cash doesn't exist in the future. I'm not even sure if the corporations exist in the future. I, I'm not I'm not sure because the way that society will self-govern, you're not going to have police in the future, at least not that I'm aware of, because the system not, not the with way social we see credit. Them. Okay, yeah. With social credit, it'll be completely different. What's your take on that? What what do you think that's going to be like? You'll be self-governing, but then you'll have police that are like SWAT, the special forces. They'll be the ones that go in for any kind of violent uprising, any kind of like bank robbery, uh, hostage taking, those kind of things. They'll be called in to take care of those situations. 
But as far as the day-to-day stuff, you'll self-regulate. You'll do it on your own. You, you won't have to have law enforcement enforce anything. You know, I, I honestly believe, though, that society can govern itself. We believe that as classical libertarians. We, we believe that society can self-govern anyway. You don't need someone minding over top of that. However, the technology gives them the ability to try and slam the chains down like that. But you notice what they've been doing. They've been, and when I say they, I'm talking the, the, the ruling class. They've been slowly putting our societies in a state of decline. The society becomes shattered and it tears itself apart. Look what the Biden administration just did. They just legalized crack pipes and clean needles. When society spirals out of control like this, along with Soros-funded DAs to release the, the criminals back on the street... Hell, I'm surprised the Waukesha guy, you know, the one that ran over those people at the uh, at the Christmas Day, I'm surprised he's not out on uh, on a personal recognizance bond. But these things, they create a situation for a society to emerge where you, the average person, you'll demand a new system to govern that, to take care of that. But if it's self-governing, well, then the problem should correct itself, right? In theory. That's in theory. Again, all of this is theory. I don't believe that it will because those people that are out there using drugs in the streets, laying in the gutter, those people, the the homeless people on the streets, they're not going to change their lives under a self-governing system to uh, what better themselves. They're they're not going to do that. They're they're not going to do that. Maybe, Maybe a couple will, but I seriously doubt it. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of being out there in the thick of it. I've seen that side of society. I don't see them shaping up. Hell, they're talking about, uh, what is it, um, issuing housing to people. Do you think that that's actually going to solve a problem? Bruce, let's talk about the case you brought to my attention earlier. You had a good liberal woman who said, oh, I'm going to let this homeless person into my home to take a shower and to get themselves cleaned up. What happened to that poor lady? She's dead. Uh, He slit her throat. Uh Uh-huh. And what did we learn? You see my point. You see my point. You try uh, and... Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, no, actually, what we learned is uh, the Bay Area is now requiring, not really requiring, but they're looking at making programs to do the same thing, to house homeless in residential homes uh, that are owned by other people, you know, have them take in the... the Because we have such a problem with 30,000 um, homeless there, which is far higher. It's but, much higher than um, that. Much higher than that. I I think they could self-regulate, but that requires us to have um, borders that are secure and, um, you know, a handle on what's coming in and out of the country, uh, in which case you would be able to regulate better what kind of uh, drugs are in the country and what kind of... uh, things are on the street, but they know. want them on the street. They, they want the drugs on the street. They want the degradation of society. They, they want to continue that. They want to keep that up. They do. Yes. But I'm saying if we were a self-regulating society, um, you know, if we were a true uh, constitutional republic, this wouldn't be a problem. Uh, we wouldn't be in this state anyway, to begin with. We wouldn't be dealing with Marxism. We wouldn't be dealing with World Economic Forum. They would have already been dealt with. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Okay, um, I'll tell you what, last last segment here. um, Let's talk about January 6th. And and I know that's that's been a gas lately. Nobody really wants to discuss it because uh, it's been a talking point of just these lunatics that are in politics and, and the mainstream media and all the rest of it. But let's talk about it. I saw an interesting video today came to my attention. It's circulating. It's circulating. Shows... An individual on January 6th, during the crowds outside, I I do believe they were trying to get in some doors, and the doors were magnetically sealed. They couldn't get into the Capitol that way. But yet an individual and his counterpart, who were already inside the building, walk up to those doors, 
notice that they're locked, look up at a camera and point to the doors as if to, hey, I'm at these doors, open them up, because why else would you look right at a camera that you know is already there and point to a door? If I'm watching someone through a security camera and they're standing next to a door that they want opened and they're pointing to it, that means, hey, buzz me in that door. That's what that means. And it just so happened that door opened up and this individual started pulling police officers through it, slamming them to the ground, a couple of them. Sergeant at arms for the Capitol Police comes up, starts to close the door and four men circle on him, who were the ones that were already inside the building, circle on him, get in his face, start putting their fingers in his chest and he walks away. As the police officers start to come in, then they start to walk away. One of them even gave a high five to one of the guys that were standing on the inside. Now, I'm not one of these people on this January 6th committee, but don't you think that that should be something that should be shown at that committee? Doesn't that seem kind of important? If you're subscribed to us on Telegram, you've seen this video that I'm talking about. That, to me, all of that video, every single second of it, looked relevant to that investigation. But see, that goes against what that agenda's for, right? What that committee stands for. So they're not going to discuss that. No, that's not pertinent. We're, no, we're not going to have that at all. No, that can't be discussed here because that goes against your narrative. Who were the four gentlemen inside the building already? Who were the two guys calling for that door to be opened? Who were they? Three of them, one's been arrested, three of them have not been identified and are not on the FBI's most wanted list. Why not? It's almost like they didn't exist. What happened to Ray Epps? He testified behind closed doors at the January 6th committee, and the January 6th committee made a public statement and said, no, nah, he didn't give us anything of any relevance. Here's a guy who was standing outside the day before, openly saying, we need to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol. And no one investigated that? No one said anything about that? The FBI wasn't interested in it? Senator Ted Cruz calls out the assistant director of the FBI asking questions about Ray Epps, and she knows nothing? She played the Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. Oh, no, lady, you know. You know, Assistant Director. Of course you know. Is the video that you saw today, Bruce, is that video that you and I reviewed, is that video relevant? Is that relevant to January 6th? I would say yes. What was your take on that? I would say no, because January 6th is a hoax. But that's that neither here nor there. So You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> well, I mean, January 6th was a real thing. Don't get me wrong. It was a real thing. There was violence that happened, but not to the level that they were saying. It was not an insurrection. It was none of these things that they're saying. The number of people there that were peaceful and the number of people that were there, I, I honestly, this is this is just, at this point, it's all being blown out of proportion. At this point, it, 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 it's a load of a nothing burger, uh, to put it kindly. I, I don't know how else to word this other than uh, this is all a sham. And this is, they're using this to go after American people, uh, American citizens. The, the other thing, the school boards and all of that, you know, going in and addressing the school board. Yeah, you're a domestic terrorist for doing that as well. So uh, they're trying to form narratives to go after people to try to quell dissenters. Um, they they need that dialectic, and that's what they're trying to get. And I wish. And they don't. They don't yeah, have they, it they, they don't have it. They don't have it. I wish. I wish that what I'm about to show you was a joke headline, but unfortunately, it's not. The reason I brought up January 6th, that video that we saw today, is because of this. CNN wrote a piece over the weekend saying that. Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. 
the podcaster Joe Rogan did not join a mob that forced lawmakers to flee for their lives or get coffee. I'm not sure which one it is. A day when, what was it, 170 police officers were injured, whatever Nancy Pelosi Yeah, it was 170, yeah. 190, yeah. whatever it was that Pelosi yeah, said. It was. It's yeah. difficult to tell what they're slurring, but anyway. She should have said a day when... Two beers were stolen from my office. Anyway, Joe Rogan never carried a Confederate flag inside the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. No one died trying to stop him from using the N-word. This is what CNN writes. They're comparing Joe Rogan to January 6th. They're really hurting for viewership, aren't they? Um, <laughs> they are just, their ratings are in the toilet. They've dropped, what was it? What was it we talked about in January? So la from last month to the month uh, prior in, or excuse me, to the year prior in 2020, uh, 2021, they lost 90% of their viewership, 90%. From the time that Trump left office until now, they've lost 90% of their viewers. And articles like this is exactly why. They're averaging 548,000 views, uh, and that's down from the a year ago, uh, 2.7 million. Um, How are these people still on the air? Joe Rogan is, uh, he regularly has views of like 8 million uh, on, on his podcast. He is taking a dump on all the major media organizations combined. So yeah, they, they have to go after him because... He's their direct competitor. And you know what's funny is this is literally a dude that started doing this from his basement, sitting on a couch. And this is this is where this all started. And now he has millions of viewers going against multi-million dollar uh, corporations. And they're scared witless. What I find absolutely fascinating about that is also not not just that. I mean, that that's that's amazing in and of itself. But CNN people like as in like people that are employed by CNN, like, for example, Sanjay Gupta, he went on Joe Rogan's podcast to sell books because he can't do it on his own network. Yeah, I don't know what to say to it. Honestly, it's all it's all just a grifting scam. I, I, I don't know. The the mainstream media, though, the corporate media is the voice piece of the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset and all of that. So that's why they're trying to uh, quell dissenters. That's why they have the um, what was it? Fact checker status or whatever it is on social media and whatnot um, on Facebook, which, by the way, the founder, uh, Zuckerberg, one of the founders, he's also a, a young global leader. So, yeah. How's he a leader? How, how is that? How is that little pipsqueak a leader? How, how is that even possible? I mean, he did. He did legitimately create an organization that's made billions of dollars. I, I, I get it. But no argument. No argument. But I haven't we done that. So yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not faulting the guy for that. He created something, and he and his his buddies or whatever created something. Okay. Fine. Fine. But can we stop with the cringeworthy crap of him on a glider on on Independence Day? or a hydrofoil or whatever the hell it was, carrying a, an American flag when he literally supports policies that just piss all over America and its and its system every day. C can we can we stop with the hypocrisy, please? No, because, again, World Economic Forum, they're 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 better than you. I mean, as we've talked about, uh, look at their uh, when they had their recent meeting, um, the policies that are in place for us, the little people, and then the policies that they get to follow, you know, the foods that they eat versus the foods they want us to eat, um, the COVID restrictions that we follow that they don't follow, you know, all those different things. It's, it's all it's all going back to feudalism. Oh, yes. The uh, the, the Glasgow uh, conference. You remember that? We looked at the menus that they had. And I'm talking about the menus as in the actual food choices that they had. And those people are eating and living like pigs. 
in there. Burgers and chips and pizzas and uh, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, you could get some the plant-based. Yeah, some of it was pretty good. Yeah, sure. You could get the plant-based choice over here. They had one plant-based thing of, you know, whatever. I saw Jack Posobiec tweeting over the weekend. He's, <laughs> and this is so true. He said, there's literally a one-to-one you can make here. The same people that are eating plant-based meat are the same ones that are taking the vaccines. That's actually, yeah, that's actually true. Uh, even even in my own circles, there's two individuals that I know that are full blown um, vegan, uh, and one of the two is vaccinated. The other one is more conservative, so they're they're not vaccinated. But um, how can you be a vegan conservative? Yeah. Uh, they basically they don't like the treatment of the animals in the mass slaughter facilities. Basically, so the the major corporations That's and whatnot. Fair. How That's they handle what, the animals and stuff. So they, no they choose there. not to partake in it. And I, I you know, uh, it, it, this individual, I told him, I said, look, I support your stance in that. I agree with you, but I'm not going to stop eating a steak because of it. I'm not at the same level they are in, in, the, in that sense. So, but they, they believe it to be the moral right option. And I support them in that, you know, good on you. Okay. So just to give you an idea, we're going to end here, but just to give you an idea of the arrogance of these people at the World Economic Forum, right? Just to give you an idea of the arrogance, listen to this. This is, I, I don't know who in the hell this is, right? I, don't, I personally, I don't care. But especially with an attitude like this, coming from a piece of garbage like this, to sit up there on the stage of the World Economic Forum and to say this openly. You want to know why there's a disconnect? It's because of this right here. At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more. So we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but... You can lead? Lady, you can't lead your way out of a wet paper sack. People don't like you. People don't trust you. People don't want you. We'll just start there. And let's go with the the arrogance, the open arrogance of this. Calling yourself elite? Calling yourself that? I, I'm sorry. Elite implies that you've actually accomplished something in your life. Please show me one of your accomplishments. And don't give me any of this concocted nonsense you've got up there on your uh, uh, on your website with, with a bunch of uh, a bunch of think tanks and behavioral specialists and clinical psychologists. That's not an accomplishment. That's lunacy. And you wonder why people don't like you? You wonder why people don't like comments like that? Why people don't like ideas like that? Because the disconnect, the, the, the fact that you and your kind are so out of touch with the average common person. When you have ideas like this, when you have statements like that openly being said and public, typically, historically, what ensues is mass suffering because they think they know better. You get famines, you get poverty, you get massive environmental damage. Everything that they claim that they want to protect, no, they don't. They don't. Electric cars, do you have any idea what lithium does? Do you have any idea what lithium mining, how dirty that is? Lithium refining? Look into the process. Just look into it. Look what goes into that. And you think these people are protecting the planet? You think they want to be good stewards of the planet? I assure you they don't. Look into that fact alone. To accept a class of people that thinks and behaves like that towards people they think that don't matter, when people 
become numbers. That's what a digital ID is all about. You're a number. When people become numbers, when you look at your fellow humans as non-humans, as inferior to you, and you wonder why people don't want you, go take a look in the mirror. And then maybe when you have that half a second of self-realization, maybe then you'll start to understand. At least one would hope. We are going to have to go. It's been a fascinating conversation. Bruce, I'm sorry that you're not going to be able to be here tomorrow, but I would love it if your uh, installation would go quickly and you could join us because I think tomorrow is going to be a really interesting discussion. I'm I'm hoping so as well. Uh, the other thing I'm... I'm uh, tentatively hoping for is that the uh, guys working in the neighbor's yard don't accidentally cut the line that was literally just laid um, last week. So if that happens, um, I'm going to be out even longer than just tomorrow. So mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes. For those of you who'd like to give us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Bruce, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.